0: You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and he calls us to preach the word in season and out of season. We pray that as you listen, you'll be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. Uh, Here at Cross and Crown, uh, we believe that the Bible is God's word to his people. That means that when we read the Bible, we are hearing God speak. Uh, Today's passage is 1 Peter 3, verse 8 to 22. So please uh, turn there in your Bibles or on your phone, or you can follow along up on the screen. Beginning at verse 8. Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another. And be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing, since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. For the one who wants to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit, and let him turn away from evil. And do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient, when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. In it, a few, that is, a people, were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him.
1: Well, friends, it's good to see so many of us gathered here today on this really, really special uh, occasion. Uh, My name's Adam Chung. I'm one of the pastors here at Cross and Crown. And um, if this is your first time here, maybe you're a friend or a family member uh, of one of our baptism or confirmation candidates, a really, really warm welcome to you. It's so good to have you all here. You know, even as Christians, sometimes we're not really clear about what baptism is all about. We know that it's something that Christians do. We know that it's something that the Lord Jesus tells us that we should do. But what does it actually mean? It seems a bit weird, doesn't it? If you've never seen this before, a few people kneeling down and someone pouring water over their head, it might remind you of the ALS ice bucket challenge, but not quite like that. In fact, it may surprise you to realize that getting baptized, getting baptized is one of the most dangerous decisions you could ever make. I wonder if, for those of you who are baptized, you realize that. that getting baptized is one of the most dangerous decisions you will ever make, or maybe without ever having realized it, it's one of the most dangerous decisions that you have ever made. Uh, a man called Nick, Nick Ripkin writes about 38 Iranian Muslims who converted to Christianity. And as they were preparing for their baptism, they suddenly heard news. The pastor who was supposed to baptize them the next day had been kidnapped, tortured and killed. Their enemies then asked them, Now that you know the cost, are you ready to follow Jesus through baptism and beyond? Now that you know the cost, are you ready to follow Jesus through baptism and beyond? They'd seen it in their saviour, the Lord Jesus. They'd seen their own pastor suffer and die for it. And now the threat was on them. If you get baptised, are you willing to meet the same fate? And not a single person walked away. Not a single person walked away. You see, friends, to choose baptism... Is to choose suffering. So why then? Why in the world would Henry, Jodie and Natalie choose suffering? Why would Kelly confirm that suffering? If you're not a Christian, as you look around, you might wonder, why would a room full of Christians, a world full of Christians, embrace a life of suffering? And in today's passage, the Apostle Peter offers us three reasons Three reasons why choosing baptism, why choosing suffering is worth it all. Number one, we have a salvation greater than suffering. We have a salvation greater than suffering. If you've been following our series in 1 Peter, you'll remember that Peter is writing to a suffering church. These first century Christians are living as exiles in their world. It could be as citizens under a pagan empire, slaves under unbelieving masters, or wives married to non-Christian husbands. Whatever their situation, these first century Christian exiles, they are facing persecution and pressure. And now, in chapter 3, verse 8, you just heard it before, Peter finally addresses, quote, all of you. You. Me, he addresses all of us. And he calls us not only to love one another, but he calls us to something far more radical than that. He calls us to bless, not just each other. No, that would almost be too easy. He calls us to bless the very people who curse us. Just just see, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult. But instead, what are you to do? Give a blessing so that you might inherit a blessing. You see, back in chapter 1, Peter assured every Christian that God has blessed us with an inheritance. Do you remember what it is? Salvation from sin, deliverance from death. And because God has blessed us with such a great salvation, guess what? You four, and all of us here, can be a blessing to others, even to those who persecute us. Isn't it crazy? Those those 38 Iranian Christians could embrace baptism, could choose suffering, because they knew they had a far greater inheritance. They had a salvation greater than their suffering. You know, all of us want to love life, don't we? Christian or not, who doesn't want to see good days? Endless road trips, travel to Korea or to Europe, a house by the sea. That white picket fence, the happy and whole family, the comfortable retirement. We all long for that, we all work for that and we're willing to even suffer for it in the short term, to endure those long hours at work, to take on time away from our family. Why? Also that one day we might see good days, But I want you to see Peter's picture of a good life. No, I want you to see his picture of a far better life. He points back to Psalm 34 and he shows us that a good life is a life of peace with God. A life where God's eyes are on us, a life where God's ears are open to us. You see, a good life is salvation with God. A good life is a life with God. A good life is a life blessed by God. A good life is a one under God. A good life is a life where we're in right relationship with God. A life of sins forgiven, brokenness restored, a life a relationship of blessing with our creator. No, there's a picture of good days. There's a picture of a life truly worth loving. And Peter says, There's the picture of a life truly worth suffering for because we have a greater salvation. So to these Christian exiles, he writes, no, don't hit back, don't speak back. No, verse 11, stand firm in doing what is good. No, you might suffer, but you can willingly and even joyfully choose to suffer for Jesus' sake because you know you're something far greater something that makes every suffering in this world worth it all. And so it is for our four sisters and brother here today, that in spite of the suffering that they are embracing, in spite of the suffering they are choosing in baptism, I want you guys to know you are receiving a far greater inheritance. You are getting something so much better than the worst evil this world could ever throw at you. You are getting salvation from sin and death. You are getting peace with God. You see, you can willingly and even joyfully choose to suffer for Jesus' sake because you have a salvation far greater. You've got to understand how great this is. It's a salvation that's, that makes it worth it to be rejected by our families, mocked by our friends, persecuted by our authorities. It's a blessing so great that not only are we willing to endure it no it's a blessing so great that we are even willing and driven to bless the very people who curse us henry jody kelly natalie this day as you're baptized or confirmed you're not don't just see this as embracing a life of suffering for jesus though it will come with it no you're you're committing yourself to doing good in your suffering You're committing yourselves to not retaliate, but instead to extend the peace of God to this world, to be a blessing to this world, even to those who persecute you. For God has blessed you with something far greater that this world can never take away. And if you knew that, surely you'd want the world to have it as well. You have a salvation greater than the greatest suffering in this world. Secondly, we have a hope greater than fear. A hope greater than fear. You know, if I were one of those 38 Iranian Christians, I would have been so afraid. In fact, you know, to be a bit pointed, I'm the pastor, I would have been dead, right? And isn't it terrifying to think that these people would want to kill me simply for being baptized? Simply all for choosing Jesus. You know, in 735 BC, the people of Judah faced a very similar situation. It was a situation in which they had every reason to be afraid. Just imagine, Assyria was the superpower of its day. And the pressure was on for Judah to submit to Assyrian rule. The fear was real. It was palpable. But in Isaiah 8, look at how the prophet implores them. He tells them in the face of the great power of Assyria, do not fear what they fear. Do not be terrified. You are to regard only the Lord of armies as holy. Only he should be feared. Only he should be held in awe. Guys, can you see what he's saying? Don't fear Assyria. Fear God. He is the Lord of armies, more powerful than the greatest superpower of your day. Regard Him as holy, set Him apart as the only one worthy of your fear. We've seen throughout this letter, haven't we, that when you fear God, you have nothing else to fear. Just imagine then, right, fast forward 700 years from Isaiah's day. And the Christian exiles of Peter's day are facing a very similar fear. They're afraid not of Assyria, they're afraid of Rome, of Caesar. But look at what Peter writes in verse 14, 700 years after Isaiah. And I want you to see how he takes up Isaiah's words. Just notice do not fear them or be intimidated, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy. Can can you see what Peter is saying? Can you see what he's doing with the prophet Isaiah's words? He's taking Isaiah's words to tell us, if you want to know who the Lord of armies is, if you want to know who the greatest power of this world is, if you want to know who should be truly feared, truly revered so that you fear nothing else in this world, Christ the Lord. Jesus is the Lord of armies. Jesus is more powerful than Assyria. Jesus is more powerful than Caesar. Jesus is more powerful than your parents who are set against you this day. Jesus is more powerful than your friend or relationships who would reject you for turning to the Lord Jesus. And if you set Jesus apart as the only one who should be feared, I want to tell each and every one of you here. You don't need to be afraid anymore. You have nothing and no one else to fear. Not Assyria, not Rome, not your closest friend or your most beloved family, even those who would reject you on account of Jesus. No, we have a hope greater than any fear. You know, if you've seen anyone stare death in the face... Maybe that's been you, you'll know just how scary it is. But surely if someone stares death in the face and has no fear, you won't quickly forget it, will you? I mean, how could we not be somewhat impacted by those 38 Iranian Christians who followed their Lord Jesus and their pastor through baptism to death? How then can we not notice our four sisters and brother this day? Who are choosing Jesus, who are choosing suffering, who are choosing fearlessness in the face of the greatest suffering. In verse 15, Peter assumes that when we live with this greater hope, the whole world will take notice. They'll stop, they'll stare, they'll go, there's something not right about that, there's something amazing about that, and they'll ask you for, as they've asked many of us here who have been baptized or follow the Lord Jesus, one big question. Why? Why? Why would you embrace a life of suffering? Why would you not fight back or hit back against those who hate you? Why would you not step back, run and flee from this world? Why? And when the world asks us why, Peter says we must be ready to give an answer. To give a reason for the hope that is in us. And in just a few moments from now, that's exactly what Henry, Jody, Natalie and Kelly will do. I'm going to sit here with them and I'm going to ask them, why? Why? Why are you willing to embrace baptism or confirmation, suffering for the sake of the gospel? What is the reason for the hope that is in you? And they're going to tell you their story of how Jesus has given them a hope greater than any fear. Thirdly and finally, we have a victory greater than death. A victory greater than death. You know, we have to assume, don't we? We can only assume that those 38 Iranian Christians followed their pastor and their Lord to their death. And surely if you imagine everyone around them, right? All their non-Christian Iranian friends looking at them being killed for being baptised. They would think these 38 Christians have been defeated. They've lost. They haven't won. But Peter wants to show us something very different. No, Jesus' death looked like defeat, didn't it? But in his death, he won a victory far greater than death itself. You see, on the outside, when Jesus hung there on the cross, it looked like he was defeated by the powers of darkness. But no. In that moment, he saved us. He secured our eternal inheritance. He gave us that future salvation. He brought us home to God. And if you were one of those first century exiles being rejected by your friends and your family, left, right, and center for following Jesus, surely you'd just want to give up. You'd feel so defeated. You'd feel as if those who stand against you know they've won the day. Peter says, no. No. No, 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 no! don't believe that. Jesus has won a victory greater than death. In fact, just look, Jesus proclaims victory over everyone that has ever stood against him. And he will proclaim victory over everyone that will ever stand against us for following the Lord Jesus. Track with me in your Bibles. In verse 18, Jesus died for our sins and then he rose from the grave. Then in verse 19, when we look at verse 22, we see he went, where did he go? Not into prison, wherever that is, he went into heaven, where he sat at the right hand of God, where he sat as king over every angel, authority, and power. That's where Jesus went. He didn't go to somewhere else on Holy Saturday. Now, after his resurrection, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and there, from his throne in heaven, he proclaimed victory down over everyone who rejected his gospel and his people. Do you remember, back in Genesis 6-9, to Noah built an ark to save humanity through the waters of judgment. And Peter says that the vast majority of humanity at that time, they were, there's his word, disobedient. We've seen that word in 1 Peter before, haven't we? They refuse to heed the gospel. They refused to be converted. They refuse to accept God's offer of salvation. And so they died in the waters of judgment. And since then, their spirits have been in prison, in Sheol, awaiting their final judgment. So in his exaltation, the risen Lord Jesus from the right hand of God the Father, on his throne in heaven, he proclaims victory over them. Not a second chance to repent. No, they had that and they rejected it. No, Jesus proclaims victory over them and He proclaims vindication for His people. Can you see what He's saying? Even though only a few, that is just eight people, were saved through water, those eight people got it right. Can you see what Peter's doing here, saying, just like Noah was a minority, so too are these exiles. Just like Noah was saved through judgment, so too will these exiles be saved through the judgment. And just as the risen Lord Jesus proclaimed victory over everyone who stood against Noah, so too will he proclaim victory over everyone who stands against these exiles for following Jesus so too will he stand against the very people who killed those 38 Iranian sisters and brothers. You see, friends, even though your suffering might look like defeat, Jesus has won a victory greater than death. These four sisters and brother being baptised today, they might be, for all we know, the minority in their family or among their friends. They might look foolish, pathetic, maybe even defeated for choosing Jesus. But I want you to know this. They have a victory far greater than any power. And that victory which gives us the that victory which gives us the ultimate confidence that Jesus that suffering for Jesus is worth it all. Does that make sense? When we have this victory in view, greater than any power, then greater than death itself, we can be confident that suffering for Jesus is worth it all. Peter writes that baptism, what's about to happen here, is a sign and symbol of everything that God did for Noah. That just like Noah was saved through the waters of judgment, this baptism is a symbol that these four sisters and brothers are saved through the judgment as well. Baptism is a sign of that salvation, not as the removal of dirt from the body. No, the water doesn't have any magical power. But in their baptism, Henry, Jody, and Kelly are appealing to God that he might save them just as he saved Noah. And when Kelly was baptised as um, a child, sorry, Natalie before, and when Kelly was baptised as a child, her parents made that pledge on her behalf. And today what's happening is she's coming to confirm that pledge for herself. You see, these sisters and brother can make and confirm that pledge with confidence. because Jesus has already won that victory. Let's face it, on the outside, baptism might look strange as I I pour water over their heads. But it's a sign of salvation that we have been saved through the waters of judgment. So we shall not be afraid, for however we might suffer for Jesus in this life, we know that He has given us a victory greater than death. If you're not a Christian here today, I'm sure that you also want to love life. I'm sure that you want to see good days. But in this passage today, Peter's asking you a question. What good is it to see good days in this life only to face judgment in the next? Now, the truly good life is one in which we can stare suffering in the face. Fearless. Courageous. Victorious. A really, really good life is one where we can look at suffering and the greatest seeming defeat right down the barrel and not be afraid. Because we have something far greater. And only Jesus can give us that. Only Jesus can offer us a greater salvation, a greater hope, or a greater victory. So if you're not a Christian, I want you to know that's why these guys are getting baptised and confirmed today. Because they want to give you, well, firstly, They want to own that for themselves. But secondly, they're about to share their stories because they want to give you a reason for the hope that is in them. Friends and family, if you're not a Christian, I hope you know this. That's what what Jesus is, what they're celebrating in this moment is exactly what Jesus offers you today. A life of courage, fearlessness, victory and salvation over sin and death. Will you accept it? me pray. This day, God, as our sisters and brother are baptized and confirmed, and celebrate the great promises that You've extended to them, we ask God that they might have a great confidence that for whatever we might suffer for in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the end, it's worth it all. For our salvation that You've given us is greater than any suffering. Our hope dispels every fear, and in the Lord Jesus, you have secured and won a victory far greater than death itself. Amen.